This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. I'm Jared Diamond. I'm the baseball writer for The Wall Street Journal. I'm Ben Cohen. I am the basketball writer for The Wall Street Journal. And you guys hang out even though you cover different sports? Sometimes. We did for this. (laughs) Usually not on purpose. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Jared and Ben recently got an exclusive and pretty unusual interview opportunity. They got to sit down for lunch with two guys who are radically changing the way people build sports teams. There's a revolution going on in sports right now, a data revolution. Today, sports are as much a numbers game as they are a game of athleticism. And two sports executives in particular, both based in Houston, have led the charge and faced significant blowback in the process. One is Jeff Luno, general manager of the Astros, and the other is Daryl Morey of the Rockets. Both are responsible for picking players and strategies for their teams, and both are using data to do it. Today on the show, why two general managers are taking big data-driven risks and how those risks could pay off. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, October 3rd. Luno and Maury came to sports as outsiders. They didn't fit the typical profile of a general manager. They are former consultants and have MBAs. And that background found its way into how they've managed their teams. They run their teams as if you were to drop a venture capitalist or an investor at the top of a front office and say, help me win a championship in five years. What do we need to do? That is the way that they think. That was the way they were trained to think when they were management consultants and when they were in business school. They've each shaken up their sports worlds by being aggressive and by taking big risks. Jeff Luno and Daryl Morey are among the most aggressive executives in their sports at a time where you see GMs being very afraid to sort of put their foot out and and take a very big risk because big risks could lead to you getting fired and playing it safe often means you get to keep your job for a little bit longer. But these two GMs clearly don't subscribe to that idea. They think that the ultimate prize is to win a championship and that is the point of their jobs. They believe that the best way to win a championship is to go out and take the big risk when the time comes. A few weeks ago, Jared, our baseball reporter, and Ben, our basketball reporter, asked these two Houston sports executives to come together in one place and talk about their similar approach to making decisions. It just lit up. It's working. We were in Houston uh, at a bar that is so nondescript that I already forget what the name was. There was like a nice like black and white tile floor. I should say it was called Asso and Cristala. It was a late lunch. We were among the only people in the restaurant. And is it possible to turn the music down a little bit? Right when we sat down, Daryl Morey, the Rockets GM, immediately ordered two appetizers, 
Well, can we get the prosciutto, the melon, and the meatballs to start with? Then commenced to order chicken marsala. And there was a long negotiation with the waiter about uh, what type of vegetable he wanted on the side. Kill the broccolini, do you have something else? They have like asparagus or something? Jeff went a little simpler. I would do the simple greens and put salmon on it. But of course, Ben and Jared weren't there just to watch the general managers eat. They were there to talk with them about the biggest risks they've taken so far in their careers in Houston. The Astros GM, Jeff Luno, started with the baseball team in 2011. And since then, he's used data and analytics to make a few changes. He's optimized his pitching staff to maximize strikeouts. He's shifted the field positioning of his players so they can make more outs. But his most controversial move was his first. When Jeff Luno took over with the Astros, he inherited a very, very bad Astros team. When Luno looked at his team in 2011, he saw there was no way that they were going to win a championship anytime soon. And so he figured out the most efficient way to get them back on track. He was going to make the team even worse. He was going to bottom out this roster to make it as bad as, as humanly possible, essentially intentionally try to lose for several years. And Jeff and said... Knowing, instead of going out and spending $20 million on a player that would help us go from you know, 51 wins to 60 wins, whatever. We decided to continue to spend our money on prospects, to spend our energies developing our farm system and our our capabilities internally. And so by being bad for a few years, they accumulated high draft picks. They traded any asset they had. By asset, are you referring to a human? <laughs> <laughs> I am. They're players. Whatever good players they had, trade them away for young players, for prospects who would be able to help them in the future. During this time, the Houston Astros were terrible. In the two seasons after Luno took over as GM, they lost over 100 games each season, which in baseball means they were only winning about one game out of every three. Fans in Houston, uh, they didn't take to it too kindly. And Jeff said, Houston's a great sports town, but it's a fickle sports town. If you're not winning, they're not going to show up. And they didn't show up. Fans said, well, if you're not going to try, we're not going to spend any money and show up. Uh, there were some games during that run that drew a 0.0 local television rating, which is what? basically unheard of. I can only imagine, like, the sports radio guys. like the. <laughs> they thought Jeff was absolutely crazy. There were a lot of people that thought he was absolutely crazy. You saw people writing and talking on the radio. This is ruining baseball. This is sort of against the integrity of the game. And Jeff's attitude was, look, my goal is to build a winning team that's sustainable for a long period of time. And the best way for us to do that is to sort of suffer through this. Then in the fifth year, 2015, the Astros made the playoffs. And all of a sudden, it started looking pretty good. You were able to see the groundwork being laid. These players were coming up. They were having success. That's necessary to win. And then in 2017, it paid off because they won a World Series. And now he obviously looks really, really smart as a result of it. But Jeff acknowledges it was a huge risk. And he also knows that if it had failed and they had not won a World Series relatively quickly, not only would he have been fired, he probably would never have gotten another job in baseball. Here we are in 2019, and they're probably the best team in baseball again. Jeff's calculation that being bad in the short term, which is more popularly called tanking, would allow them to be good in the long term, paid off. 
And now it's a strategy that's become popular across baseball, for good or bad. Immediately after the Astros started doing it, there were a couple other teams that sort of followed in their footsteps. It was almost as if uh, other general managers had wanted to do this and didn't have the courage or didn't believe that uh, their owners or their fans would allow it. And once someone took that first dive into the pool, other teams said, okay, I guess we could do this too. It's very controversial still. And there have definitely been owners and still are who say, I don't care that tanking might be the best strategy to win a World Series. I refuse to allow my ballpark to be empty for four years. I refuse to sort of allow a generation of fans to grow up believing we're not trying. And there's certainly merit in that approach. But right now, the way that the tide has sort of gone is in this direction of, well, nothing else matters besides winning a championship. And we're going to see uh, in the future if that was the right decision sort of for baseball as an industry. I would just say, as somebody who grew up with sort of the losing Red Sox and the losing Patriots, <laughs> that I like them better as losing teams. <laughs> than winning teams? Than winning teams. Can I interest you in being a fan of the New York Knicks? <laughs> or the New York Mets. Don't forget them. After the break, the basketball side of the Houston lunch. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Welcome back. Ben Cohen covers basketball. And for years, he's watched the Houston Rockets GM, Daryl Morey. The Rockets value analytics more than any team in the NBA and, you know, maybe more than any team in the history of professional sports. Daryl was one of the first quants to run an NBA team. What's a quant? Someone who really values numbers in their decision-making is, I, I think, generally how it's known in sports. And the great opportunity that he saw before really anyone else, was the value of the three-pointer. The three-pointer is one place where Maury has found a lot of success with his analytics-driven approach. And it's because of his star player. Their best player is a guy named James Harden, who was the most valuable player in the NBA, has been one of the best players in the league for the last five years. And his patented move right now is basically unstoppable. And it is a step-back three-pointer, which means that as he shoots, he is moving away from the basket. Think about how strong your lower body has to be to be able to launch a three-pointer over some seven-foot guy lunging at you while you're moving away from the basket. If I stepped into a gym, first of all, I wouldn't make many three-pointers anyway, but 
I don't even know if I could get the ball to the rim while trying to move away from the basket. When James Harden takes step-back three-pointers, the Houston Rockets have the best offense ever created. And when Maury saw the data on how well Harden could shoot this shot, he set out to build an offense around it. No team has taken this to such an extreme as the Rockets. I feel like the Warriors get all the credit for discovering the three-point shot. They won a championship with it. But uh, if you look at the numbers, the Rockets take far more three-pointers than the Warriors. And in fact, they have broken the NBA record for the most three-pointers in a season in each of the last three seasons. For the last two seasons, they have taken more three-pointers than two-pointers. They were the first team in the history of the NBA to do that. And in the last three and four years, the smartest teams in the NBA and the most successful teams in the NBA have copied the Houston Rockets. But now, Maury is trying a new move to create the strongest team he can. And that move involved a high-profile trade for a star player named Russell Westbrook, who on the surface doesn't fit into Maury's current playbook. Russell Westbrook seems to violate pretty much everything that Daryl Maury stands for. He is someone who you actually don't want to be taking three-pointers because he makes them at such a low percentage. So if the Rockets are to play the way that they have the last few years, it's probably going to backfire. But Russell Westbrook does support Daryl's other theory, which is that you need stars to win, and you accumulate those stars, and you tell your players and coaches to figure it out somehow, that raw talent wins in the NBA, and that you need as much of it as you can. So Daryl said... The bigger the trade, the more risk, right? Um, Look, he's got a long track record of being very good, so that mitigates it, but you you never know how the aging curve is going to apply to different players. Uh, I mean, we feel good about all these risks. Like, they're all smart risks, but they're for sure. Yes. That just, I mean, Daryl, you must have thought that you could, there, there was something about um, the way that Russell plays that you can enhance and bring out of him here. We don't know exactly how that's going to work because um, you don't until you really put it on the floor. But that's definitely you- one of our hypotheses is like he'll be enhanced here. His great theory when making this bet is that there are parts of Russell Westbrook's game that they can enhance in Houston, that there are parts that have been undervalued or that he hasn't been able to bring out in full, and that is why they want him on their team. It might seem unusual, a player who doesn't make a lot of three-point shots being key to a three-point-driven strategy. But Westbrook hits another one of Maury's high-priority shots, layups, right under the basket where the odds of making it are good. The Rockets will still hit a ton of three-pointers, And by doing that, they'll space out the defense, leaving Westbrook wide open to drive to the basket. But that's all in theory. You know, this could easily backfire. He has put this team on the line. And the fact that we don't know whether or not it works out and he says that it's risky and that it is the biggest risk that he's made is interesting. And it's another reason why he's kind of unlike any other general manager, because I'm not sure that many general managers in the NBA would admit that their last move, the one that nobody knows whether it's going to work out, is the biggest risk that they have chosen to make. Maury is making this bet because right now, the power of the most dominant team, the Golden State Warriors, is in question. The Warriors won't have two of their best players this year. So the Rockets no longer have to worry about getting past a dynasty to win a championship. He got pretty close for the last two years, and now is a really interesting time for the Rockets because the NBA is as wide open as it's been in years, and the Rockets are one of the teams that can really win it all this year. 
But under Maury, the Rockets haven't even made it to the finals yet, much less won a championship title. Which is the big difference between these two data-driven general managers? Luno has won. Maury hasn't. But when Ben and Jared asked them if they were jealous of any parts of each other's jobs, neither of them brought up championships. Well, I already said I'm jealous of his large roster size and minor leagues. And Daryl gets to go to Vegas for a couple of weeks at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I think our sport's way more interesting to watch, so. <laughs> his games are shorter, so he gets, he gets home a little earlier. There you go. That's a good point. Championship ring or no ring, the data-driven approach pioneered by these two general managers has now been emulated across their leagues. They're not outsiders anymore. The leagues look a lot more like them than they did when they took over because they have had success and there are other teams who have hired their best people and other teams have seen that strategies based around numbers and decisions rooted in data is the way to operate a professional sports team in 2019. In some ways, it seems like there's an analog to CEOs in business. You know, like you're running Facebook and then you see Snapchat doing something and you're like, I want to emulate that. Except it's even more zero-sum in sports, right? There's only one championship. Facebook and Snapchat can both be worth billions and billions of dollars. uh, But, you know, the Rockets and Warriors are competing for the same title every single season. Those championships that both Luno and Mori are after are back up for grabs. This week, the chase for the titles begins. Tonight, the Rockets play their first preseason game against an NBA team. And tomorrow, the Astros take the field in their first playoff game. They are heavily favored to win. That's all for today. Thursday, October 3rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.